Friends, have you noticed uh, that, that everything has become more costly over the past few weeks and months, maybe even over the past year? Inflation, it was just announced, it has risen to 7.9% in, in February. Uh, that's, uh, I mean, that's the highest it's been since 1982. Uh, gasoline, groceries, restaurants, housing, travel, used cars, just about everything is higher than it used to be. It costs more today than it ever has. So when does the cost of something, think about this, when does the cost of something affect whether or not you, you purchase it? You, know, you go to the grocery stores, you go to the grocery store, and there's, there's bacon, and you look like, oh, my word, look how it's expensive. When does it rise to that level? Like, all right. My wife says, comes home and says, I'm sorry, we can't buy bacon. We're not going to buy bacon anymore. I'm like, what? <laughs> How high does gas have to go before you start making some alternatives and, and, and thinking about where you, you travel? Maybe some of you are already there if you're driving into Houston or further every, every day. But what about in the spiritual realm? What is, what is the cost of living the Christian life or following Jesus, when does it become too costly? Do we ever use it as an excuse? Well, following Jesus, it's just, it's too costly. It's too costly. Now, we may not use those words, it's too costly, but, but our actions will usually speak louder than, than our words. Last week, we began a new sermon series called No More Excuses, and we we looked at that excuse, I'm, I'm just not good enough, I'm not good enough. But yet Jesus came to that Samaritan woman, and he said, that's, no, 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 you, it's not about your goodness, it's about my goodness. It's not about uh, what you've done, all your past doesn't matter, it's about what I'm, what I'm going to do on the cross. He's good enough, he's good enough, that makes us, when we trust him, uh, it makes us good enough. We are worthy. We are accepted. We are loved in His in His sight. Well, today we're we're going to address the excuse that's too costly. It's too costly. We're going to be looking at um, the account of when Jesus is calling his his first disciples. We'll learn three lessons about their their willingness to to pay the price to count the cost. So, if you would, if you have your Bibles, turn to the fifth chapter of the Gospel of Luke. It's the third book in the New Testament. Third book in the New Testament, Luke. If you're using one of the Bibles in the pew rack in front of you, you can find it there on page 860. Luke chapter 5. I want us to read just the first 11 verses of this chapter. I want you to catch the, the cost that these disciples were willing to pay. Luke chapter 5, beginning in verse 1. On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on, on him, speaking of Jesus, to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, or the Sea of Galilee. And he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. But getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, this is Simon Peter, he asked him to put out a little from the land, and he, and he sat down and he taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he, he said to Simon, uh, Put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. 
And Simon answered him, Master, we've, we toiled all night and took nothing. In other words, we didn't catch anything. But at your word, but at your word, I will let down the nets. And when they, when, when they had done this, they, they enclosed or they caught a large number of fish and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boats to, to come and to help them. And they, they came and they filled both of the boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he, he fell down at Jesus' knees and said, Oh, depart from me. I'm, I'm a sinful man, O oh Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the, at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men and women. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything. They left everything and followed him. I think from this passage we can see three lessons from our disciples. First, obeying Jesus is costly yet rewarding. Second, submitting to Jesus is, is costly yet freeing. And lastly, following Jesus is costly yet fulfilling. But let me try to set the stage. Let me try to set the stage here. It's the beginning of, of Jesus' public ministry. He begins in his, in his hometown of, of Nazareth. You had, remember, Judea, Samaria, and Galilee. Nazareth is in the, the northern parts, right in, in, in Galilee. And Jesus is, is starting to teach there, but they reject his teaching. In fact, they, they, were, they, they hate it so much, they, they, they seek to kill him. And Jesus um, makes his way out of there, and he, and he moves up to Capernaum. Capernaum. It's there on the Sea of Galilee. It's a little bit north of Nazareth. And he's teaching and performing miracles. And the people, they witness Jesus doing, doing all these miracles. And he even cast out this a demon in a, in a man. And they begin to see this, this Jesus has power and authority. There's something unique and special about this man. He goes into the home of a man. You read about this in chapter 4 of Luke. He goes in the, in the home of a man named Simon, Simon Peter, the one that we just read about. And there his, his mother-in-law is, is ill. She has a very high fever and Jesus heals her right there. Soon people are, are coming to him from everywhere to be healed. Everywhere. This crowd's coming in. And in chapter 4, the scripture says that Jesus took the time and he, he heals every one of them. He heals them all. In our passage today, he's, he's standing there by the, by the Sea of Galilee. And a crowd, you can imagine, I mean, word is getting around. This man heals people, and they're coming in. Oh, this guy speaks, preaches with authority. And they're coming to see Jesus, and they're pressing in on him, and he, he can't. I mean, they, he's like, I, I want to I I teach these folks. And so what he does, he gets into one of the boats there, and he, and he says, hey, row us out a little bit so that I have some room and I can speak to the, to the crowd so that they can hear and these two boats that are mentioned, these are fishing boats. These aren't uh, little John boats. These aren't 
They don't have motors on the back of them. These are, they're about seven and a half feet wide and somewhere around 20, I mean, 27 feet long. Big old huge things. These fishing, uh, they had these fishing nets. And these aren't just little, you know, little things that they throw out. These are massive, massive nets. Uh, 100 feet long. They had weights, big heavy weights on the bottom of them, and they had floats on the top. They, they were, um, these nets were, had three different layers, and um, I mean, they, they were impressive nets for the, for the time. They, were, they, weighed, they weighed a massive amount. So you, you can imagine these guys, they had been fishing all night long. And they, you know, they, they get out there and they have to row out. And they've got one guy and he's putting the, you know, lifting these heavy nets over and they're spreading them out in a semicircle. And the, then they make some noise. They try to drive the fish into the nets. There's, then they have to lift these nets up into the boat and they take the fish out. But this night they, they didn't catch anything there. So they, all right, hey, let's, let's, let's go on down a little further. Then they, you know, do it again and all night long, all night long. This is going on. So when Jesus finishes teaching, he tells Simon, hey, I know you've, uh, you're done for the night. The nets are here drying. But, hey, I want you to put out to sea and to put the nets out again. I mean, can you imagine? Here's our first lesson. You see it there. Obeying Jesus, obeying Jesus is costly yet rewarding. It's hugely rewarding. So Simon and his, his companions, these guys are, they're like Doug, professional fishermen. I mean, they know where, you know, fish are like um, 100% of the fish are about 10% of the water. Isn't that about right? You know, you got to, you don't just go out. There. These guys know how to fish. That's what they do for a living. Jesus, here he is, a, a carpenter. He's coming along and he's giving them fishing advice. Fishing advice. It'd be like me telling Doug, hey, come on, hey, why don't you use this rig? And Doug, he'd be like, no, no, no. Put some bacon on it. Just rub some bacon on it. That'll, that'll bring them in. Well, Jesus, he's telling them to go gather their nets that are already, again, they're drying on the shore. They've already cleaned them, gotten the soot and the seaweed, all that stuff off of them, and they're drying on the, on the shore. He said, hey, go get them. Load them into the boat. I want you to row out into the deep waters and cast Cast your nets here during the midday when the fish are not present. That's what Jesus is basically saying. And again, they, they fished all night. They are, they are exhausted. They are ready for a good breakfast and bed. Right? And you, you can empathize with Simon when he says there in verse 5. Um, I mean, if you just read it, it says, Master, we've toiled all night and took nothing. I think, I think it was more like, Master. I think we have, we've toiled all night long. I mean, we are, we are worn out. We, we, there's no fish. There are no fish. I mean, trust me, I've been doing this a long time. There are no fish. And especially at this time of day, there's no, there's no fish to be had. But it's the next sentence. I think that's just stunning. Stunning. He says, hey, Master, we've toiled all night, took nothing, but at your word, I will let down the nets. To obey the words of Jesus is costly. It is costly. What Jesus was asking them to do seemed, I mean, seemed vain and futile. 
Peter could have just said, I mean, we're, we're hungry. We've, we're tired. The nets are already clean. They're drying. We've finished this whole area. I mean, we fished it all. There's, there are no fish. They've gone, I don't know, they've gone somewhere. There's some party, some other part of the sea. They're not here. They are not here. But Simon's response was one grounded in trust. Not in, not a trust that fish would be present, but a trust that God was present in the person of Jesus Christ. Simon had already witnessed Jesus heal his mother-in-law. He's, he saw the power and the authority of Jesus. And that same power and authority called for respect and for awe and for obedience. In the first chapter of the book of John, Jesus is is connected to the Word of God. In fact, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word became flesh. That's Jesus. The Word became flesh, and He dwelt among us. We've seen His glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. The Word was Jesus. He is the Word. God reveals Himself both through His Word, through His Word, and through, through His Son, who is the Word. To believe and receive and obey God is to believe, receive, and obey the Word. To, to believe, receive, and obey Jesus is to, is to believe and receive and obey the Word. So friends, this, this book, it's not just a book. This is God's personal Word to you and me. These are His words, His promises, His commands to us. It's his love story to us, and it's perfectly sufficient. It's all that we need for, for life, for faith, for ministry. This is all we need. 2 Timothy three sixteen and 17, beautiful verse, says, All Scripture, the Word of God, is breathed out. It is spoken out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, training in righteousness, that the man or woman of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. This Bible, this word from God will give you everything that you need. It is our life. It is our hope. It's our guidebook. The word is worthy of our devotion, our commitment, and our obedience. And, you know, following and obeying the word, is, it's not easy. It's not easy. I mean, I know it. Think about a few of the things that the Word calls us to do. Just, here's just a few of them. Love your enemies. Take up your cross daily. Huh? Take up your cross. Take up your death instrument, right? Die to self. Love your neighbor as yourself. Consider others more important than yourself. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. That's not easy. Pray without ceasing. Cast all your anxieties on Jesus. Why? Because he cares for you. Forgive as the Lord has forgiven you. These are not easy. These are not easy. And these are just a few. They can be very costly. You know, if I were to ask you, how many of us could, could uh, be spending a little bit more time in the Word? I mean, I'd, I'd raise my hand. Probably all of us say, we... we we all need to spend a little bit more time in the Word. Let me get real practical with this. This coming week, let me ask you just to pick a, 
Pick a time. Pick a time when you know that you can spend about 15 minutes with the Lord. Maybe you already do that, but if not, I want to I challenge us all to, to find that 15-minute spot. Just 15 minutes. And we have seven days in the week. How about just five? So five days, 15 minutes to just spend in, in the Word, reading the Word. And then here's, what I, here's what we'll do. I'm going to do it, and I want you to do it with me. Let's pick the book of James. James is in the New Testament. Pick the book of James. There's five chapters in it, and it's full of just commands and promises, very practical things. Five chapters. Each chapter is pretty short. You can read it in about 10 minutes. So here's what you do. Whatever day you're in, 15 minutes, start off. We're going to do it this week. James, and we're going to start off with chapter 1. Just read it. Spend some time reading it. And as you read the chapter, I want you to think about these questions. Three things. Very simple. First, is there, is there a sin? As I read this, is there some sin that I need to avoid or confess? As you read through, they're like, ah, oh, boy, there's times when I'm reading, like, oh, that's, oh, man, that's me. And I need to just confess it. Lord, I, I need your help. God, forgive me for that. Is there a sin that I need to avoid or confess? Then second, is there a promise is there a promise I need to claim? The, the Bible's filled with promises, and you're going to see some in James. You're like, ah, oh, that's, that's for me. That's a promise. And God, when God promises something, he always delivers. Is there a promise you need to, need to claim? And then, like, then thirdly, is there a command to obey? So a sin to avoid or confess, a promise to claim, is there a command that I need to obey? So as you're reading, you're thinking through that. You're, you're looking into the Word and just maybe you don't understand it all, but you're like, ah, there it is. And then when you finish reading and answering those questions, just pray and thank God for His Word. Ask Him to give you the grace to, to obey and to live out what you've just read. And I promise you, I promise you, you're going to be encouraged. So James, we're going to do it, James, this week, right? And I'll, I'd love to hear some stories from you. Send me a text. Send me an email. Talk to, grab me. It's like, hey, guess what I saw in James? Guess what, guess what I experienced this week? Man, I encountered Jesus, and he called me to this through his word. You see, obeying the word or obeying Jesus, it's costly, but that's but it's not all. It's costly, yet it's rewarding. When you obey Jesus, it comes with reward. Simon obeyed Jesus' word, and he cast out his nets. And soon their nets were just brimming with fish, so much so that you know, they're beginning to, to break. And Simon, I mean, he, he quickly signals his, his, his partners. I don't know what that was, you know. I, you know probably it was you know, two fingers in the mouth. You know, I can't do it. Guys, and you know, they're looking over and they're seeing them as they're, they're just struggling with these nets. And so the boat comes over there and they got these both boats and they, they're, they're pulling the fish up into the, into the boats and it's, they, they, they're filled with fish. And it's so heavy that both of these boats, these are massive boats, they're beginning to, to sink. And they get to witness the, the creator of the world who commands fish to show up. I mean, Doug, would you like to go fishing with Jesus? I mean, I mean, would we not? I mean, would Ryan, would you not like to have 
Jesus as a fishing partner. I mean, you'd, you'd catch your limit and you'd, you'd win every tournament, brother. It would, I mean, that's, this is, and Peter recognizes, I mean, Simon Peter recognizes what Jesus has, has done and, he just, and he's just amazed. All of them are amazed. The reward was the, the, the fish. See, if Simon had not obeyed Jesus, we're, hey, it's just, we are tired, we are worn out, we, it's too costly. It's just too costly, Jesus. I mean, we, my guys are spent to get those nets back out. I mean, now we're talking, I mean, you're going to, it's, it's we, no, we can't do it. We're not going to do it. What would he have missed? He would have missed Jesus performing an incredible, he would have missed the reward found in Christ. As I read earlier, the Word of God, it teaches, it reproves, it corrects, it trains us for right living. It helps us to become more like Jesus. That's the reward as we spend time obeying God's Word, as we get into it and we're, we're letting it marinate and change us and transform us. We become like Jesus. What a reward. It fills us with joy, gives us hope, helps us endure gives us wisdom and guides us in, in everyday life. And I mean, I could just go on and on and on. The rewards of obeying Jesus, the rewards of obeying his word are endless. But not only is obeying Jesus costly yet rewarding, submitting, submitting to Jesus is costly yet freeing. This is our second lesson. Submitting to Jesus is costly, yet freeing. Now, when Peter saw the miracle of the fish, it says he fell at Jesus' knees. It doesn't tell us if he got into the shore and fell at his feet or if he's just right there in the, in the boat with him. But bottom line is he, he sees what Jesus has done and he realizes he's standing in the presence, not of a man. I mean, yeah, a man, but it's, it's a man who is, who, is, who is uniquely divine. He's standing really in the presence of, of God. And he, he says, depart from me, for I am a sinful man. I'm a sinful man, O Lord. You know, see, kneeling was a symbol of, of submission. And in verse 5, Simon, if you look back, he calls Jesus master, or the word there kind of could be like boss. All right, boss, sure, we'll, we'll do this. But now notice the change. He doesn't call him master. Depart from me, for I am sin, I'm a sinful man, O Lord. And all throughout Luke, that Lord is oftentimes connected with God, Lord God. Simon is recognizing that Jesus, Jesus is divine. The one who commands the fish to obey is truly the Lord God. The very presence of God himself in the boat with Simon. I think it just happened right there in the boat. He's sitting in the boat with Lord God. And the only worthy response is to kneel in submission to Jesus and to confess one sinfulness. We see this in, 
in the book of Isaiah. Isaiah was a prophet. You get to chapter 6, and he sees this vision of God on his, on his throne. The, the temple is filled with, with the glory of, of the presence of, of, of God. And there's angels all around. In Isaiah, he's just struck, and he has only one response. He falls on his face, and he says, Woe is me. I'm a man of unclean lips, and I, and I live among a, an unclean pip, people. They're all singing, the, the, the cherubim are singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And he sees himself and he realizes in the presence of God Almighty, I am unworthy. And this, I think, is exactly what, what Simon is, submitting to Jesus. I mean, it's costly because when we see God, when we submit to, to the Lord God, we see our own sinfulness. We see our need of, of a Savior. We have to realize that, that he is Lord and we're not. We have to admit that. I mean, we have to, we have to ride shotgun. I love when we used to, my, my boys, you know, we'd, we'd go out to the car. I had the two boys and it'd be the, you know, whoever could say shotgun, you know, first. You know, we all need to be saying, you know, for some reason we want to get on the wheel. Jesus, you take shotgun. I mean, it's just what we do. I, I got this. I know where we're going. This is my, my trip. When we need to say, shotgun, Jesus, you've got, you've got the wheel, and I'm going with you. Wherever you lead, I'm following, I'm following you. You know, for those of you who may not call yourself a Christian, the first step is to recognize Jesus as Lord and confess your need of his forgiveness. That's the first step. You know, there's no specific prayer that the Bible tells us to pray, and there's no sinner's prayer in the Bible. But oftentimes we come to him in prayer. We might simply call out to him and something like this. Jesus, today I recognize that for the first time you are the, you are the son of God. You are God's son. You, you lived a perfect life, went to a cross to, to pay for my sin, rose from the dead in victory over sin and death and are alive today. I confess my sin to you and ask you to forgive me and to make me whole. Now I submit my life to you. I want to follow you all the days of my life. Come into my life as Lord and Savior. You know, if your heart resonates with, with that prayer, or if you just simply want to know maybe what, it, what does it look like to, to follow Jesus, to submit to Jesus as Lord, friend, just come talk to me after the service. We've, made it, we've tried to make it even easier. Just You can text uh, First Connect, 9400, no, 94000, 94000, 94000, text. And, and uh, I think option three, more information, and then you could just put some information, and I'll reach out to you. I'll set up a time. love to talk to you more about it. You know, for others, this next step is to submitting to Jesus is, might be baptism. You've waited and you think, ah, I just, I can't do that. It's, I don't know, it's just too embarrassing or my, you know, I just, I can't, I can't do believer's baptism. I just can't do it. I don't want to do it. Why not? Why not? Yeah, it may be costly. It may be costly. But submitting to, to Jesus, it's, it's freeing. It might be the most freeing thing that you do. For others, submitting to Jesus may be, may be committing to this church family. You know, our, our mission statement is to connect people to Christ, community, and cause. If you haven't 
uh, begun our, our Connect Track. Uh, we we want to see you connected. We want to see you connected to Christ. We want to encourage you to, to begin attending maybe about uh, the Connect 101 class. Uh, we'll, we had one last Sunday. We do it the first Sunday of every month. Uh, come be a part of that. Our next one, again, will be in August. No, not August, April. Also, you've, you've heard me say it again and again, but, but joining a, a live group. It's a place where submitting to Jesus is lived out in relationship with other folks. You know, we need each other. We, we need people to help us uh, in that. I lead a group of, uh, of our um, seasoned adults, right? Uh, once a month we gather together. It's a, it's a sweet time. We've been walking through the book of Daniel. We, uh, we dig into the word. We talk about how to apply it. You know, we, we all need, we need each other. Join a life group. Submitting to Jesus is costly, but it's freeing. Submission to Jesus, it doesn't bind us to rules and regulations. Rather, it frees us by immersing us in, in his grace. It immerses us into his unmerited, undeserved favor and love. So Simon, he kneels before Jesus. He's filled with fear. Here's God, here's God here. He's a, he's, he, this, this one who can perform these kinds of miracles, he just bows before him. I'm not worthy of you. I'm a sinner. I mean, go, go away from me. But at the end of verse 10, you notice what Jesus says? He says, don't be afraid. And he's not just talking about his fear. He's not just talking about his fear there. There's a, there's a little bit of that, but he's saying, hey, no, no, don't, don't worry about your sin. You, you submit to me. This is the first, that's the first step. Man, your sin through, through, through me, my life, my, my future um, gift on the cross my forgiveness is going to free you from that sin. Don't be afraid. That guilt, that shame, the fear and despair. John eight thirty six says, So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. It is for freedom that, that Jesus sets us free. Galatians 5, 1. In Christ, we have been set free from sin from our guilt, from shame, from fear, from despair. We are free, free indeed. Peter experienced it at that moment there in the boat, submitting to Jesus. It's costly, but it is freeing. Lastly, following Jesus is, following Jesus is costly, yet fulfilling. So Jesus, what he's doing here, he's calling Simon. And he's calling James and John, his partners there, to follow him on one of the greatest adventures of life. Their livelihood had been catching fish. Now Jesus turns and he says, all right, you're not going to be catching fish anymore. I've got something, I've got something bigger for you. You're going to be catching people. You're going to be catching people. Just as Jesus went about bringing healing to the, to the broken and needy, now now Simon and John and James and the other disciples, they're going to be bringing the healing of Jesus to the broken and needy. Just as Jesus went about proclaiming the transformation and the hope found in belonging to the kingdom of God, so too were, were his followers to proclaim the, the kingdom, to, to share 
the good news of hope of the gospel found in Christ. And this last verse of our passage shows, it shows us the cost of following Jesus. Did you catch what it said? And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. If you're a fisherman and you've got two boats full of fish, I mean, this, there's a lot of money in that. This is their livelihood. And they w- walk away. They're like, all right, maybe the crowd's there. Like, hey, help yourself to the fish. They, they leave their boats. They leave everything, their family, their friends, everything, their comforts. They give it all up. Jesus says in Luke 9, 23, if anyone would come after me, if anyone wants to follow me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and, and come and follow me. Deny himself, take up your cross and follow me. So does, let me just, let me just is following Jesus, is, does it require us to give up everything? I mean, does it, does it mean you have to take all your possessions, sell them, and give it to the poor? Does it mean you have to quit your job and go to Africa as a missionary? Now, maybe, but that's not what Jesus is talking about here. What it means is that we, in a sense, we reorient our lives around the mission of God. The mission of God becomes the center point of our life. Whether you're, whether you're a fisherman, a school teacher, a plant worker, an engineer, a homemaker, an electrician, a nurse, whatever you do, God has placed you there as a, as a missionary, as a, the Bible calls us ambassadors, representatives of God, to put on display His, His glory and His work sharing and showing the, the good news of hope to those around us, those who with, without Christ will, will, and if they perish, will, will be in an endless, awful place the Bible calls hell. We're all fishers of people. And this is the great cause that we mention in our, you know, in our mission statement. We exist as a church to connect people to, to Christ, to community, and to cause. We, it's the most fulfilling thing that we can do as, as believers, to get engaged with, to be on mission with God. As followers of Jesus, we are to introduce people to Jesus and the good news that he came to save sinners. And we can all do this. We, we just have to get out of our comfort zones. We need that chair back up here, right? We need to get out of our comfort zones. We can do this. You can do this. We have to take a bit of a risk when we, when we share Jesus with others. Following Jesus, I mean, it is costly. Yet it is the most fulfilling thing that, that we, can, we can ever do. You know, March 27. Ryan mentioned it. You've been hearing it. It's in your worship guide. We're having what we're calling Vision Sunday. Vision Sunday. We've been talking about this really internally, calling it kind of a relaunch. It's a day when we, we, we put a stake in the ground and we, we say that it's a, it's a new day. 
We celebrate what God's done in the past, but it's a new day for us here at, at first. I'll be sharing a vision of what we believe God is calling us to be and what we want to look like in the days ahead, what we're dreaming and believing and praying and asking God to do in us and through us. It's going to be an exciting, encouraging day. It's going to be fun. We're going to have, again, food. Come for 930, we're going to have um, breakfast burritos, and I think all our life groups are bringing stuff, and we're just going to, we're going to eat all day, just basically. So we're going to start off in there, and then we're going to gather together in our life groups and celebrate t- together and the relationships that we have. Then we're going to, we're going to gather in here for uh, you know, a time of just exciting worship, just coming before the Lord, and I'll, I'll, share the, I'll be sharing vision, be sharing vision. Then afterwards, we're going to just have a lot of fun, enjoy some more great food, barbecue, bouncies, and the first maybe annual cornhole tournament. Find you a good partner and get ready for that. We'll have some gift, gift prizes to Red River Cantina. Friend, I want you to invite your friends. Invite your friends. This is a great day to invite them. Hey, come. Come and, and see what's going on at, at first. It's a new day for us. I want you to invite those who maybe have even been burned by the church. They've been hurt by the church. And the, our community is filled with folks like that. Hey, come on. Get, would you... Come with me. Give it another shot. Give it another shot. I want you to invite those who, who don't have a church home or maybe not even call themselves Christian. This is one of the ways that we follow Jesus, by inviting people to connect with him. Grab some of the, the little business cards on the way out. I mean, and just pass them out. I keep these. I got them in my car everywhere I go. I'm just, I'm just handing them out. This one, you can grab any of them. We've got a couple different kinds out there. Love our city, serve our city. As our community has all the information, and just man, hey, we're next Sunday or on the twenty seventh, we're having a, a a vision Sunday, a lot of food, fun. Just hey, would you be my guest? Hand them one of those. Just do that. That's, this is about following Jesus. Following Jesus. We've been praying and asking God to do far more abundantly than all we ask or even think, according to the power that's at work within us. So let's lay it out there. Let's just lay it out there. Let's go for it. Trust Him. Trust God to do some amazing things in the lives, in our lives, in the lives of others. And I tell you, when we see God working in the lives of others, it's truly the most fulfilling thing that we can experience on the earth. I mean, we were eating crawfish last night. Man, wasn't that good? Man, it was just great. I had been a while since I'd done crawfish. I had to, be, I had to get a little tutored in it. But after I, I got pretty good, kind of popping them out, and I did not suck it. But that's, um, I'm, just not, I'm not quite there yet. But I had a conversation with someone that, that has, uh, uh, they're, they're not a member of our church, but they've been, they've been attending. And she came up, and she's, she's like, you know what, I, tell, me, tell me how to plug. What does, it, what does it look like for us to plug into this church? And the more we talked and, and shared, um, She's like, you know what, I, I, don't, I don't think I've ever made a commitment to Christ. We talked about baptism, and, and so I'm going out to their, hopefully this week, Lord willing, to go out to their house and share, share Jesus. And, and you know, Lord willing, the Lord will bring them into this family to, to grow up in Him and, and to, to get on mission for, for God. 
That is exciting. I mean, I left there last night. I was telling Ann, I was like, man, I'm, I'm just pumped. And I tell you, when we see more and more and more, and you know what they told me? Now, I'm going to put the Becks on, on the spot here a little bit. They say, you know, we, we knew the Becks way back, and we knew their lives before Christ. And we have seen their lives since they've come to Christ, and it's like night and day. And I want, she, she says me, I want, we want what's happened in their life to happen in our lives. I mean, praise God. I'm telling you, we start seeing those and start hearing those kinds of stories on a regular basis. We're going to get pumped. We're going to get excited. It is so fulfilling. Following Jesus, it's costly. But friends, it is, it is, so, it is so fulfilling. This is who we are. This is what God has called us to be as, as, his, as his followers, as, as Christians. Yes, obeying Jesus is costly. Submitting to Jesus is costly. Following Jesus is costly. But as we do, friends, it is rewarding. It is freeing. It is fulfilling. Friends, we have no excuse. No more excuses. Let's say yes to Jesus. Yes to Jesus. How many of you ready to say yes to Jesus and trust him? Watch him work in us and through us in ways we've yet to see. Oh, God, do that in us. Pray with me.